Hello and welcome to the inaugural episode of The Bilbao Effect, a new podcast series from FDI Intelligence, looking at whether culture can boost economic development. I'm Zethu Farrell, FDI's Global Investment Reporter, and where better to begin our journey but in the Basque Country in northern Spain, where the Guggenheim Group drafted in a new member to its museum family in 1997, the Guggenheim Bilbao. But this wasn't just any museum, this was a work of art itself, a piece of awe-inspiring architecture by acclaimed architect Frank Gehry, whose titanium exterior glimmers and sways on Bilbao's waterfront. The city has become something of a poster child for how a swanky urban makeover combined with some contemporary art can give a boost to a fading industrial town. Until the late 1990s, Bilbao was a city of steelworks and shipyards, haunted by years of separatist violence. Now it enjoys the status of a popular European city break, COVID-19 notwithstanding, with the museum boasting roughly one million visitors a year, pre-pandemic. With me to discuss the extraordinary transformation of Bilbao and its effects is Juan Ignacio Bidarte, the Director General of Guggenheim Bilbao, who oversaw the construction of the museum in the late 1990s. A very warm welcome to you, Juan Ignacio. Bienvenido. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. I thought I'd start by asking, just firstly, let's go back to the mid-1990s. Can you tell us a bit about how the decision uh, came about on the part of the city of Bilbao to change itself in this way? Yes, well, the, this project really um, came in Bilbao, happened in Bilbao as part of a, of a much broader transformation plan that the city was already had about uh, just start. Um, if we go back to 1991, which is the year where this project really started, um, Bilbao was in a in a fairly dire situation. The uh, many of its traditional economic engines were in in decline, linked to industry, mostly to heavy industry. Um, but the, the city was also in a, in a, in a particularly interesting moment because uh, Spain as a country had joined the European Union just five years before. So there was a, 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 the sense that the geopolitical and the economic situation of the city was uh, also changing because Bilbao was not just being at the northern uh, front of Spain, but it was it was very close to the border with Europe and with France. So so it, it was certainly part of that, what at that time was uh, called the, the southwestern facade, facade of, of, of Europe. So the city took the uh, was facing this economic decline, but thought that may, some changes needed to be implemented. And as part of that broad strategy, one of the issues which um, which the city focused on was the importance of culture and how culture for a city that wanted to play a role in, 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 in the European uh, scene, um, culture was an important factor. So there was this um, idea of strengthening the cultural sector, tra that, which traditionally had a, a importance in, in the city, so strengthening existing institutions, but also with the, the, the idea of the, that the city would welcome the possibility of hosting an institution which would speak not just to the local audience, but to the international audience too. So this is how the, the possibility of this exchange with the Guggenheim Foundation started to happen in 1991. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, the Guggenheim Museum Bilbao was awarded uh, many prizes in the 1990s through to the 2000s, um, gold medal in fine arts in 1999, uh, the European Museum Forum Museum of the Year Award in 2000. Um, what was the reaction when it when it all kicked off, as it were, in the early 2000s in the city and like well, the cities on, on, the broader, on a broader stage? Well, when the, when the museum opened, the reaction was 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 quite enthusiastic uh i think the 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 project was more controversial when the when the when the project really started before it became a reality because as i mentioned the city was on the on the midst of a of an important uh, crisis not just economic but also an identity crisis so the idea of spending resources on uh, a project which was using somehow culture as a tool for transformation was not it, it, it was not commonly uh, accepted um, but when the museum opened in 1997 and it became really a magnet for for visitors not just for local but also for and most importantly for for international visitors the museum was really um, meant to be uh, a catalyst of this process of this change um, because the the idea behind it was that the museum, in addition of, of becoming a cultural institution uh, uh, of, of, of international appeal, was also meant to be uh, uh, an agent of economic development and a driver of, of urban renewal in the area, which the, at the time when the museum was built was a, a marginal space in the city, but which with time was transformed into an opportunity space for the future of the city. So. The museum <clears throat> helped that the city, the citizens of Bilbao, recover confidence—confidence um, confidence which was very necessary to to confront the the challenge of of change. Because what was clear in 1991-1992, when the museum started, uh, the construction started, was that the city needed to change if it was uh, to if, if it would have any any chance of of trying to achieve the goals of of becoming, uh, uh, say, a mid-sized European city, which would would have an international appeal. Mm-hmm. You mentioned also before that there were other changes that were afoot already. Um, a new metro line as well, I believe. Is it yeah. an oversimplification to say that um, the Guggenheim, the museum, ushered in this change? Um, is that the myth of the Bilbao effect, or is that the reality? Did the Gu- did the Guggenheim Bilbao actually itself usher in this? Mm-hmm. Um, incredible transformation of the city well i think the reality it's it's nuanced i think i think it's not i think to say that the museum was the icing in the cake is certainly to misinterpret what really happened because the museum was had a central role in in the in what was happening in the city but it is also true that the museum by itself wouldn't have been able to achieve the 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 all the goals. So it was essential for the museum to be successful, to be part of this broader transformation strategy. You were mentioning the, that that had many fronts, and, and and the first front of that, which was really the first that started, was the a very thorough uh, process of cleaning uh, uh, environmentally uh, an environmentally polluted uh, river that 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 that. Uh, is in Bilbao and that, that connects Bilbao to the sea. 
uh, and of course the of heavy in, uh, investment in, in in public transportation infrastructure uh, with the subway system uh, with the improvement of the airport with the enlargement of the port so there were many other uh, areas which the the of that plan which were essential to make the 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 goal of the transforming the city a reality but the museum uh, and the museum played a major role in that we see the museum as a catalyst of the process so it's not the it was by far not the most important uh, investment in ter in economic terms uh, in, in quantitative terms but it did uh, it was really the 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 factor that made the rest of the plan uh, happen in a, in a in a good way so Answering your question, it's not the icing, but it wouldn't have been, but the change would not have been possible if the museum would have been developed in isolation. Mm -hmm. Because the museum, where it actually sits in Bilbao on the waterfront, you know, was um, was a sort of disaffected, polluted area, as you said. So that itself, it galvanized uh, a sort of local transformation there, you're saying, in terms of infrastructure and um, yep. not just in terms of culture, that is. Yes, I mean the the cultural transformation was the, the 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 essential part because if 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 that would not have happened, the rest wouldn't have followed. But the the whole the, but the idea behind the museum was that culture could serve as a transformation tool. So the it could have this social effect of of driving the the urban renewal of an area which had, until then had been a, a marginal part of, in the city. Uh, a role, an important role of, of being like a symbolic vector of conveying an outward image of the city, which was in transformation, uh, but also, of course, uh, a, a very significant uh, uh, agent of economic development. Uh, you have to to uh, to understand that Bilbao, the, the whole metropolitan area in Bilbao, it's about a million million people. And every year since the opening and until COVID came, we have received at the museum over a million visitors, of which 80%, 85% come from outside the, the region. That means that the economic impact of that, it's, it's, uh, it's significant. We estimate that the last pre-COVID year, that amounted to up, uh, over 500 million euros of additional economic activity just because of the operation and the activity of the museum, of which almost 80 million were additional tax revenue, uh, which the, the local, the regional institutions collected due to that economic activity. So it is, in that sense, the, the, the project proved itself to be an investment, not just an expenditure. It was an investment to, to, uh, uh, to um, help in the transformation process, but an investment that generated uh, income and economic activity uh, when it started. Mm -hmm. An investment, not just an expenditure. Um, great. So, because I think in so many times in culture, we I think we we have that uh, that confusion in the in the discussion. Where 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 many in many times culture, um, uh, the, the numbers connected with culture are considered expenses, and sometimes they're really investments. They're not expenses. Now, you were born in Bilbao. You have a degree in economics and business from the University of Deusto in Bilbao, as well as being the director general of the museum. 
you are therefore very well equipped to answer my following question, which is how did this affect the people of Bilbao? We've talked a lot about, well, we've talked a bit about, um, you know, infrastructure investments and, and the way that the museum has galvanised um, urban renewal. But what about how did it affect the people of Bilbao um, and the local economy um, more specifically? Well, I think the significance is is it, it's big. Um, I I I don't think it's an overstatement saying that there was a, a Bilbao before and after the museum. Uh, the it, it, not just because of the of the economic impact or the urban impact that the museum has had, but also because I think the museum and its operation has influence the the psychology of the of the city of the citizens in the city i think bilbao was i was describing earlier was going through a very harsh time in its history it was going uh it's been a very wealthy city throughout the last two centuries it was hub of the industrial revolution in spain it was the and still is the uh, one of the of the wealthiest cities and regions in the country, but during the last during the the eighties, uh, especially the end of the eighties, beginning of the nineties, the city was undergoing a very thorough economic transformation. Many of its traditional in- industries, shipbuilding, steel making, were in decline. The industry itself was was under a process of change, changing the way they made things. Um, the unemployment was very high at that at that time. So the city was transforming. It needed to change. And change is always difficult. So the museum, I think, was a very good example for citizens that uh, if you are brave and if you confront the future and the challenges of the future uh, with ambition and with vision, change can be positive. And I think that's what the museum produced, that sense of confidence that the change that the, that the city needed to, to confront was not just necessary, but it was, also, it was also going to be very useful and very convenient. So I think the museum helped the citizens confront those changes and that process of change that, has, that was starting before the museum, but mostly has happened after the museum opened. Mm-hmm. And what about the building itself? Um, the building is, as I mentioned in my introduction, you know, incredible or inspiring um, building uh, work of architecture and uh, is the sort of the, the centerpiece, if you like, of, of Bilbao, especially if you come into the city um, along the bridge. Um, initially, it was criticised for being designed by an American, for not being Basque enough um, or indeed for not being Spanish enough. How has the building itself, how has that changed in the minds of the people? Well, I don't think the building itself was most, most the more controversial, the most controversial part of the project. I think the criticism in the beginning was more about the nature of the project, whether this being a museum would be a museum with an international profile and not so much a local Basque or Spanish profile. The building, the, the building itself I think was mostly. I think I think the reaction was mostly of of puzzlement and and probably disbelief because it it was such an odd shape that nobody really thought it was or many people thought it was not going to be possible to build. The fact that the that the building was happening in an area of it was not it was fairly central but it was marginal, 
So the citizens, I think, looked at the at the building grow and with with skepticism initially, and I think with interest when as it as the shapes took form. For us, the building was always a very important part of this equation. So we thought the building needed to be uh, not just a great space to accommodate the program uh, of the museum and art of the museum, but also we wanted the building to be to become the visual identity of the museum itself. So, and I think that's what it has become. Uh, I think because of the the genius of the architect Frank Gehry, he understood the demands of the of the client of the of the program, but also he understood how the the what role the building was going to play in the city. So he understood that side very well. And that's why the building, although has nothing to do in its formal shapes with any, any, uh, anything you find in its surroundings, it seems as if it's been there for a very, very long time. It seems as it blends perfectly with the city, with the river, with the, ha- with the hills behind it. So for us, the building, it's, uh, it's really, uh, it really has achieved the goal of becoming both the best uh, space to show art, but also a, a great uh, visual identity for us as a museum and, and as a city. Mm-hmm. And um, the building, in many ways, has also become synonymous with this Bilbao effect, quote unquote, this idea that um, you can transform a post-industrial city or a disaffected town with um, some sort of like very uh a very aesthetically important culture you know suddenly you just got this sort of swanky building um you've got it in a post-industrial site and you can galvanize the economy in the way that you've described um and you can also increase the confidence of uh, of the local population uh, do you think that though is um it is easily replicated do you think that there were specific parts of bilbao that that made that possible and do you think that you know there's it's become something of a cliche that elsewhere you can just sort of throw like a deconstructivist piece of architecture you know spend millions of pounds on a building in a disaffected area with high unemployment rates and hope that culture can sort of act as some kind of replacement um i guess my question is do you do city planners walk a very um a fine line between those two things between trying to um galvanize uh, the local economy in a kind of in a cultural way and also, you know, by just sort of throwing some 21st century culture into the mix of, of, a, of a disaffected population? Well, I think this is a very interesting question because in my mind, uh, <clears throat> one of the, of the worst um, um, effects of this project has been that type of, it, of misunderstanding that, you know, any city with a problem, uh, can solve it by importing um, more or less a spectacular building and that will do the trick. And it will be like the magic wand that transform, transforms the city or transforms that region. I think that's a major misunderstanding. It's a major mistake. <clears throat> I think what I understand uh, is, is the, 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 positive, the, the positive lesson that can be drawn from Bilbao is that the, that essential issue of whether culture can be a tool for transformation, social but also economic transformation, I think that is that I think the museum has proved that to be a possible a certain possibility. But in order to do it, I think 
you have really to understand what are the, the what are are the issues involved or the the factors involved in in this becoming a reality. To me, it is it is architecture. It's an important part of it, but it's not the only part. I think you need to have a very clearly defined model where architecture plays its role, but there needs to be a role that responds to the content, to the program that it's going to be displayed in that architecture. And as important as, let's say, continent and content, it's the operational model that runs that into into a, a, a sustainable reality year after year. So you need to have that clearly in mind before you jump into uh, commissioning uh, an architect to do a building. You need to understand what is the building for, what is your collection, what is your program, what are your resources or your model to make that collection work in a sustainable way, uh, way year to year. In the case of Bilbao, I think it was very important that the, the goals of the, of the project were defined early on uh, and, and how those goals were connected with this broader strategy. I think that this, this project do not work in isolation. They need to be a consistent part of this broader city or regional uh, strategy of transformation. In our case, I think it was very important that the museum was uh, defined with the, with the intent of having a global impact. So we were not just uh, here to provide another cultural amenity for the, for the community. That's also true, but that was not our main goal. Our main goal was to, to uh, develop in Bilbao an institution that would be in Bilbao, but speaking to the world. And for that, it was absolutely essential to be part of a network of institutions, in our case, of, of, of the Guggenheim family. And of course, in any project of this size, I think it's important that, and I think I, we have seen bad examples of this in, in, in the last uh, years, and certainly in, in Spain, where the support necessary to develop the project, not only in its investment phase, but also in its operational phase, it's there. And in our case, there is public support, but it's also private support. So you need to develop this network or this uh, uh, model of, of operation that provides enough resources to allow you to work in the scale that is required to attract visitors from all over the world. I think those are issues which are essential, which are as essential as architecture, as le are, they are less visible, but I think they're not less important and they should be taken into account if you want to replicate the effect. If you take that into account, I do think the, the effects are replicated are replicable for sure. And I think there are many other examples in the world where this, this might be happening. And do you think that it's uh, Bilbao's case or a case of kind of extraordinary transformation is helped therefore by um, the fact that it was sponsored by um, the Guggenheim Museum family? This wouldn't have been, um, the sort of transformation that we're describing couldn't have been quite as possible um, if this were a local developer or even indeed a Spanish developer or in, or even a, just a smaller international developer. We've got the Guggenheim Museum who has who threw its weight behind this project. In our case, I mean, if certainly in the case of Bilbao, and you're and you're looking at this specific case of the of the Guggenheim Museum Bilbao, the the fact of the museum being part of the of the of, of this network. Uh, part of the Guggenheim uh, uh, um, 
family, let's say, of, of institutions, it's, it's essential. It's been an essential because part of, of our model, uh, we would not have been able to develop a world-class program uh, if we would have started from scratch. We didn't have enough resources to do that. So to work in association, in partnership, to develop this, uh, for us, as I mentioned earlier, it, it's, 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 it's essential. Uh, you, we are not located in London. We are not located in New York or in Paris. So we are, we are basically speaking to the world from the periphery. And what allows us to do that is this connection with other institutions that work on, on, on our same wavelength in New York, in Venice, in the future, mm-hmm. in Abu Dhabi. For us, that's an essential part of our model. But each case might be different, of course. I'm not saying that every city needs a Guggenheim museum because that would not be possible for sure. Mm-hmm. And now 2020 was a difficult year for museums everywhere. How has the Guggenheim Bilbao kept its visitors engaged, both local and virtual, throughout this time? And how can you, maintain, going into the, this next decade and encircled as we are by greater uncertainty how can you keep this sustainable momentum up do you think for the city of Bilbao well certainly the last year year and a half has been a difficult year for because everybody and every institution certainly every cultural institution in the world for us too Um, we have been uh, lucky in a way because we were able to keep the museum open for most of the time we were closed for about 10 weeks um, last year, but we were open since uh, early June and we have been open since then. Um, of course, having to, d- to endure a situation with a much reduced number of visitors, which much reduced uh, uh, revenue uh, uh, for the museum. So we had to, to do a special effort to maintain the program alive, which we did. We had to cancel or postpone some exhibitions, but we were able to keep the museum alive in its program throughout the year, obviously reinforcing our digital presence. I mean, the fact that we had already, as an institution, started our own in-depth digital transformation process four or five years ago that has helped us being uh, able to cope better with this situation, but we had to uh, strengthen our digital initiatives, both in the uh, from the operational side, but also from the education or from the, from the perspective of the visitors to keep this connection to visitors who were not able to come to the museum. Uh, and then, of course, we had to to make sure that our operation for all visitors who were coming um, was done in safety, uh, um, preserving social distancing, uh, avoiding as much as possible physical interaction so that at least those who were able to come to the museum could enjoy the space and could be could have a uh, an enjoyable experience. Going forward, well, yes, you mentioned it. We are living in in an age of uncertainty. We are confident that uh, once the situation uh, goes back to what more or less we thought was more normal, certainly where mobility uh, is restored and tourism uh, goes back to what we were used to, uh, the museum will be able to keep its, its, uh, its presence. I think if we continue um, with what has been our 
main um, uh, paradigms during these years, which is basically having a main, a main uh, emphasis in the quality of our program, um, making sure that we have the, the, our experience of, uh, sorry, our operation in the museum is very much centered in the visitor and, and in, the, in, in improving the, the experience of the visitor and making sure that our model, our, our operational model keeps being sustainable. We enjoy uh, a very diverse uh, uh, um, source of funding. About a third of our funding comes from public subsidies, but two thirds come from our own operation and private uh, contributions. And we aim to keep that model because that's the model that at least until now has served us well in order to be able to to um, uh, generate enough resources to develop the program at the level of quality that our audience expects from us. Juan Ignacio Vidarte, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to subscribe to FDI Podcast, which you can find wherever you get your podcast. Next week, we'll be heading to southern France, where Swiss philanthropist and art collector Maya Hoffman has unveiled a new tower for her multi-million dollar arts complex. Hope you can join us then. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.